0: Welcome in to the Husker 24-7 podcast. I'm Mike Schaefer, joined by Brian Christopherson, Michael Brunt. We are Husker 24-7, and Nebraska is playing football again this weekend. Gentlemen, did you enjoy your bye weekend and the beautiful weather that descended upon us here in Lincoln?
1: It's a Go top ahead, tenor out
0: there today.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a top tenor. I'm, I'm not... Uh... I don't know what we're doing here. We should be playing. We should be doing this on a golf course. There's no wind, sunny weather, perfect. Man, you guys came out firing. The, the I might actually have to edit the audio.
0: The everything's very loud. So, uh, well, we'll see what that all means. Uh, I I attempted to play golf on Friday and Saturday in the 40 degree sleet rain weather, 40 mile an hour winds. It went great. Let me tell you, fun times. Fun, fun times.
2: I sh- I uh I played golf up in Minneapolis when I went to the Twins playoff game and my dad hit a nice shot in the fairway and I don't know if you've ever had this happen. We're sit- sitting right by his ball and a twenty-some-year-old, not nothing against like twenty-some-year-olds. Just, I'm just describing his age, happened to drive by and just grab my dad's golf ball and and went off. Like right in front of us. I've never had that happen. Like right in front of our eyes. That's my bye week story. Really interesting. I know.
0: So was he playing like another hole and he just thought it was his ball or he just drove by in a cart and took the ball?
2: He said he sliced it. He said, and then we confronted him about it. Um, and he said, oh, I'm playing a Callaway. And I'm like, well, yeah, two thirds of the people on this course are playing a Callaway, dude. It got, it got a little heated. It was one of those where my voice was a little on edge, you know, about mm-hmm. it, where you get a little emotional. Um, he did give the golf ball back, though, and then uh, then we want to watch the twins play baseball and they lost. So when when you say you got a little emotional
0: in your voice, does that make your pitch? Does that rise a little bit? Do you get a little higher talking at that point?
2: Um, I don't know if it's that. I think everybody always says it looks like I'm like like I could cry, actually, like I get that's not anything. Cause I'm going to, but that's just my facial expression. And my, I think my voice shakes a little bit, which I think is common with people. I, I, uh, I've noticed that where, uh, you can tell it's a little quivering when, when they're, they're kind of on edge. So mm-hmm. that's how I was about it. I was defending my dad, you know, okay. it's a, the, it, it was really a noble thing. When you think about it, you
0: wouldn't expect that out of a place with Minnesota nice, you know, but, yeah. uh, apparently not the case on the golf course it's pirates code, everybody for themselves. Uh Brunts, what'd you do your bi
1: weekend? Uh some pumpkin patch time. I got uh yeah. roped into that. And uh but we got that that box is checked. So we should be pumpkin patch free the rest of the month. So that's uh that's good news here. It was an did efficient you... week. That's that's we got a lot we did lots of good things. Did you bring pumpkins home with you? We did. Many. Many so... small ones. Small
0: I... ones. Yeah, is that like the new thing now? Because my wife showed up with like 45 pumpkins that are sitting on our front porch, and it seems like we don't need that many of them, but we have them
1: until kids steal them and throw them. The squirrels get into them like it's an old country buffet, though, in about another week or so. Mm -hmm. So it'll be that's always a little bit uh harrowing for the kids, but I digress. Speaking of harrowing for the kids, (laughs) it's Northwestern week
2: Yeah, uh,
0: it's great because we we clearly spent the first three minutes and 45 seconds not talking about Nebraska football there. But this is, I, I tweeted about it. I got the sense that Matt Rule certainly feels the same way uh, listening to, to his comments earlier on Monday. This feels like a really big week for Nebraska football. There's kind of, you know, some juice in the air. I feel like they answered a few questions in terms of what you're going to do with quarterback and it feels like Nebraska suddenly has an incredibly young team. Um, and they're about to play a stretch of very important football games. You guys were paying attention to this press conference. What was, what was kind of your takeaways about what Matt rule had to say? I mean, we'll, we'll just start with the general and then we'll work into specifics.
2: Uh, he's trying to keep his guys inside those walls, just locked in on Saturday and Saturday alone and not, um, discussions about um, you got to win three games to get to bull. bowl. What about this path to the West division race? That's all for the outside, and he wants to keep it on the outside. Um, you know, he, we got to talking about PFF grades, for goodness sakes, uh, at this press conference, um, which, you know, in fairness, we, we do put those out there. Uh, on our site and say what they, they put up. We also put a disclaimer like, at him too. We yeah. Scoff. Yeah. Take, we'd say take or leave them. Um, but anyway, um, he's trying to get his guys just dialed in on this game. I think very much the same way they were for the Illinois contest after Michigan, where he felt like that Sunday, there was a tone set, like, Hey, we're going to put it all out there Friday. This is our only focus right now. And I think they're trying to duplicate that now going forward. Bruns, what about you? Yeah, it was. Uh, I, I don't. I wanted to say
1: edgy, but like rule kind of came in wanting to talk about certain things, and you know, you you look at. Well, I, I guess the approach is probably correct. I mean, when you look at the way Nebraska football has just wilted um, in the second half of seasons the last, what since okay. like twenty fifteen, like. Now, that would be a good research.
0: When's the last time – would it be 2015 is the last time they won more games in the last six games of the season than they lost?
1: Well, no, 2018 probably since they started so poorly, but wouldn't it? They went four and two. I think that's probably
0: about the same of what they would have done in 2015 as well. They both lost to Iowa. They both ripped off some wins in there. Anyways, (laughs) continue.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I I think that's, I think he understands kind of what the challenge is with a program like this. And it's, it's interesting too. I was thinking about this, that, you know, the way that Nebraska's schedule is typically fate, like kind of played out, you always have had Wisconsin and Iowa waiting for you at the end of it. And this program has never, you know, really been set up to win those kinds of games in November. I mean, that they're not, or at least to to this point have not been set up to win consistently the like phone booth knife fight type games. And that's what you're going to get. And, you know, he, he's, I I think correctly trying to keep them focused because, uh, you know, as much as you want to block out the outside noise, the outside noise says that there's a pretty strong chance that you could be staring at a, at a bull berth when you leave East Lansing, Mm -hmm. if you play well. So there's a lot out there. There's a big opportunity. And I think, you know, you you try to kind of keep things on an even keel as much as you can. And I think that's, that's kind of the challenge. even kind of said, you know, they were having to, you know, try to basically block out the outside noise when it comes to recruiting too. I mean, there's a lot of that going on right now. So uh, an interesting uh, midpoint in the season um, as they, you know, get, get the, get a Snickers bar at the turn and head home. Let's
0: tackle uh, some of these topics. We'll start on offense. Heinrich Harbert, unquestioned number one starter, at least for this week. Uh, Said it right away on Monday.
1: Brunt, how do you feel about that? Yeah, not really surprising. I mean, I think, you know, with the the way he's played, I mean, I I think uh, you continue to roll with him. Um, You know, he's, you know, largely – avoided turnovers. He's largely had Nebraska in, in a good good place to potentially win games. Uh, I think he brings a dimension in the the quarterback run game that that's a little bit different from what Jeff Sims does. And I don't know. I mean, I, I think, you know, you, you're kind of playing the hot hand a little bit. And, you know, Jeff Sims is healthy. Uh, they feel like if they had to go to him, they will go to him. But I, I didn't find that particularly surprising. And you know, I think that's probably the way that they prepared in the bye week was that it was going to be Heiner Harburg coming out of the, the other uh, end of the bye week as the starter. And oh, by the way, you had time to actually kind of fit your offense to him a little bit more than maybe what you were probably doing in the first six weeks of the season. BC, you were on the road up to Minnesota when we talked about
0: this last week. What did you see from Harburg against Illinois? And where are you at four games into uh, kind of his quarterback career? I guess it's technically five games if you add the yeah. last quarter against Colorado, but four starts into his quarterback career.
2: Well, um, I mean, he, he just has protected the ball better than Jeff did the first two games. And and that's probably the separating point right now. And that's a big separator. And maybe we saw the worst possible data points we could from Jeff Sims in those first two games. Maybe he, uh, would be a lot better, uh, next time out. um, But, you know, I I think Harburg for the most part has avoided what I would call like those cringeworthy throws, um, where you feel like it's in danger. There's been a couple of them, but not, um, too many. And, um, I, the guys believe in him too. He's got a lot of respect when you heard players talk a couple of weeks ago about how he is in the huddle and just how he's sort of adapted to being a leader in the face of things. And, um, there's, there's confidence in him. And, uh, He's got a rugged running style too that I think kind of goes with just what they're doing right now. It's, you know, it's not going to be flashy, but um, if he can rip off like a 25 yard touchdown, you know, like he had uh, against Illinois where he takes out a DB on the way, you know, that's sort of his game. And, and there's going to be some um, stuff. That's uh, a little muddy in between those plays, uh, but you kind of live with it and you hope he doesn't, turn it over and and let sets up your defense to play well and that that's sort of going to be the formula the rest of the way yeah let's um let's move off of harburg and then kind of
0: dive into some offensive personnel We We'll talked about that a little bit brunt is there anybody in particular as he talked where you thought okay we're probably going to see a lot more of them after the bye than maybe we did before
1: yeah i mean i the the three freshman wide receivers, I mean, somebody from that, a couple of guys from that group have to emerge. Uh, I mean, he said today Col- to, Col- Coleman well. <laughs> They have to play 11 guys somehow, yeah. so somebody's got to be out there. Uh, but, no, they said Coleman's going to – Malachi Coleman will start. Uh, you'll see a lot of Jalen Lloyd. And Jaden Doss uh, didn't – from what Rule said today, didn't seem like – He's maybe as uh, as much in the game plan as as of now as those other two guys, and part of that, you know, Doss came late uh, or was in the summer, um, and then you know broke broke his arm, was basically out for a number of weeks, and, and is still playing catch up. I mean, the bye week probably helped him a ton, but you're you're still you know a month or so behind everybody else. So they like him, they like what he's going to be long term, but I, I I think I would probably bet more heavily on Coleman who uh is the starter and and more jalen lloyd that they've i think tried to f- tried to feature a little bit more the other guy do you, i mean do you guys get the sense that we're going to see more billy kemp or more use of billy kemp there's got to be more use of billy kemp is that is that kind of the takeaway from today i think they have done a relatively surprisingly poor job of
0: just getting them easy throws like i i don't know like it's, it's easy for me to say that. I'm not the one who has to call an offense. I'm not the one who has to try to you know fit this into whatever else they're trying to do. while Also working with your issues everywhere on the offensive side of the ball. But how often can you think, if you just close your eyes, how many plays come to mind where they just clearly made it a point to get Billy Kemp the ball, whether it was two yards in front of the line of scrimmage, two feet in front of the line of scrimmage, 20 yards down the field, like, it just – it feels like there was a couple games there in the middle in the non-conference where it seemed like it was an effort to get him the ball, and then everything since it's kind of just been if it happens, it happens. Uh, that's how I view it anyways.
2: Yeah. I, I They're definitely going to try to get him the ball more. I guess my biggest takeaway from the press conference today was just Rule likes his template that they have, and he likes his staff, and he really um, doubled down on that today – and just his belief in all of his coaches. And, you know, I think he's proud of the fact that for whatever warts they have on offense, they're at 200 rushing yards per game and the run defense is playing like it is. And it's sort of a thought like this isn't as pretty as it's going to look in the future, but he likes the base of what they're doing right now. And if you just keep building on that, what it can look like. And um, you know, he, like even the Illinois game that, that was, you know, ugly on offense in the second half, but the style in which they played, he's just like, we're going to try to choke out games like that. That's just how we're going to play. And hopefully in the future, it's one of those where you run for a hundred yards in the fourth quarter and everybody walks out happy. Um, but I, that was probably my biggest um thought from the day was just how much he sort of believes in the bricks they're building right now. Um, and And he's he's okay with it. Um, yeah, but they gotta they gotta obviously build on it in these games ahead because as much as he doesn't want to talk about the bowl games, he has a couple times spoken about how huge those practices are for evaluating players, getting those young guys time and getting them to believe in your program and where they fit. So they it he knows it's a big deal to get to those six wins. He just doesn't want to have his team, you know locked in that conversation as they're trying to get there. BC, you, you, you're talking about believing in the bricks that have
0: been laid. Do you believe in the uh, the running back room over the next six games?
2: Well, if they can hang on to the ball, I think they can get enough done. That's just a question of can you avoid those silly turnovers, you know, on exchanges and just basic stuff. And I actually liked a couple of the things Emmett Johnson did prior to the fumble. Like he only had, you know, two or three touches, but there was a run where he made a, a burst and a cut. I was like, oh, that was – that's as good as a run as I've seen from a Husker back this year. I thought um, just before that fumble. So I I'd be intrigued in, in seeing more from him. And also, you know, Bruns was talking about the young receivers rule did throw in there Please. Quinton Ives. Oh, um, well he did. He mentioned, I, he was talking about how Malachi and Jalen, he said, had the look like, okay, it's my time. I, I know it's my time now. No questions about it. Let's go. And he mentioned Ives that same way. And it just made me wonder without going too far with that. Does does he pop in for a few reps after the bye week? So, um, uh, yeah, and you're right. Fleeks came up too as a guy. They want to get the ball as well. Yeah, I I don't know about you guys.
0: I think the running back picture is just going to be kind of muddled the rest of the way. Like, I don't I don't know if there's enough confidence that you can just give the ball to Anthony Grant 20 times. I thought he had a really bad game against Illinois beyond just the fumble. Um, I they have to figure out something in the running back room how to make that work, because it can't all just be Heinrich Harburg if you're gonna really get behind running the football. Like I just I think that's really for as much as we talk about the young wide receivers, figuring out how you can either get Anthony Grant going or get more successful uh runs from your running back room, because it was not good against a far worse rushing defense in Illinois than you have on the rest of your schedule.
2: Yeah. And it's too bad. There was that fumble on the exchange with Emmett, because I feel like he was like one or two more runs on that drive. From like ripping. They, yeah. Yeah. If they punch it in and he goes in, you know, on a nice little cut back and scores, He's a he's the talk during the bye week. He really would have been. That's how you know how close these conversations like hang on the ledge sometimes of being out there or not. And he was very close to being a a big talking point during the bye, because he had a couple nice runs before that. So he did enough to at least I was like, okay, I'd like to see a little more of that and what that looks like.
1: Yeah, Yeah. I I agree. That was the drive too, where it was like Illinois was just begging like to be (laughs) put out of its misery. Like As much you know, you you want to talk about choking out the game late and running the ball. I mean that that was the driver. It was like you could feel it. Like everybody knew that like you punch it in there, it's over with. And uh, it's it's unfortunate that it played out that way. Because I I, the same way I I was got a couple of those runs he had. You're kind of like okay, this this looks a little bit different than maybe what I was uh, what I was expecting here between the tackles. It was a little bit of like. When Ramir Johnson would kind of run really against really, Oklahoma after the yeah. game
0: Irving injury. Yeah.
1: That's yeah. same thing for, for Iowa last year. I mean, I think he, kind of similar things where you're kind of like, okay, this guy's running a little bit bigger than uh, maybe what he's, de- what he's working with here.
0: He was also just attacking the hole that I think he's supposed to hit, which seems to be the biggest problem sometimes for, for Anthony Grant in those inside zone runs uh, last thing on offense. And then we'll take a short time out, jump into some defense and recruiting. Thomas Fedoni. BC, I want to ask you about Thomas Fedoni a little bit. It's easy for all of us to forget this. He just got done playing the first six games of his career. Where where are you sort of at with Thomas Fedoni? And I believe Matt Rule talked about it today that they want to get him a little bit more involved too, moving forward as well.
2: Yeah, I think he had a good first half. You know, when you when you consider a guy who had two very serious injuries that, that took him out two consecutive seasons, basically hasn't played any college football except for two snaps before this year. I think he hit the ground at about as quick a pace as one could. He's made a couple plays where he went up and got the ball when it wasn't an ideal throw. And I think, you know, he's probably going to have more confidence now going into the second. He's always been a, a pretty confident guy, but now he's he's put it out there on film he knows he can do it and he will expect to do it more. So I, I thought he did uh, well. Um, you know, you talk about, if you want to talk about PFF grades and that sort of stuff, he's graded well too, like to, even on that end. And so um, I thought he's blocked well at times. Um, obviously there's room to grow in that for him and Borker and all those guys. But um, I thought it was an encouraging first half of the year. Cause anybody was expecting that he was going to go out and have seven catches for, you know 85 yards every week right away it just wasn't realistic i just i think within this offense and what they're capable of right now um he's been one of their playmakers that they they think they can go to so that that's a that's a nice first year really Brunts, we're talking about tight ends jump on in (laughs) you don't have to ask
1: me twice uh no i i think he's he's been solid i mean i think they do need to get him more involved um Th- those those seem like they would be easier throws for Harburg to get him in rhythm. I mean, as much as we talk about that with Billy Kemp, uh, it, it seems like getting Harburg, er, Harburg and Fedoni kind of going more early, I think, would help a ton. Um, and like, like you guys said, I mean, Fedoni's made some really nice catches too. I mean, he, I, I think people maybe don't have an appreciation for how wide his catch radius is, but it's pretty good. Um, and I think he's getting more confident. And I, I think I'm I'm eager to see if they can kind of, uh, if, if that was one guy that during the course of kind of looking at what they could potentially do um, in the second half differently, I think getting him more involved would be a good idea. Borkutcher too, though. I mean, I, they haven't done a ton with him. Um, I wonder if they look to get the tight ends more involved, especially, you know, with not the question marks, but the youth that they have um, at the wide receiver spot, even though, Like you said, Fedoni's really only, what, seven games into his college career right now, which is crazy to say.
0: Yeah, I'd like to see kind of a revitalization. of. We saw it against Minnesota. You had the play action, and the tight end works the backs across the formation, and if Sims leads him just a little bit more, it feels like Borker could have scored on that. Like those kinds of plays, like roll out Harburg a little bit and let him try to hit those tight ends in space. Uh, I like the fact that Harburg and Fedoni seem to have a good relationship too. They're roommates I think that'll be helpful for them. Yeah, I I said it. They're they're roommates. BTN will catch on to that, and we'll be hearing it for 200 times the next few weeks of the season. All right, let's take a quick time out. We're going to come back. We'll talk about defense, some injury news, all of that, plus a little bit of recruiting before we go here on the Husker 24-7 podcast. Defense for Nebraska. Uh, I thought the most important thing here, Matt Rule kind of cleared up where things are at with Luke Reimer and some good news on that topic. Michael Bruns, bring it home.
1: He's back. He's back. He's back. Uh, Had had an infection, a MRSA infection in his arm. That's what was keeping him out. Uh, Kind of scary, actually. Um, But good that he came through that okay. They, uh, you know, we kind of talked about this last week, Schaefer. I, I think it was notable that you didn't really notice a ton that he wasn't there in that game against yeah. Illinois, uh, which is a credit to the linebacker group. Uh, but getting him back is is huge for this stretch run. Uh, I think he's probably a little bit more of a vocal leader than what he gets credit for. Um, he's, he's a guy in that defense that, that everybody kind of counts on and uh, adds to linebacker depth. Because, I mean, quietly, Nebraska's been kind of shuffling guys around Rule mentioned today that chief borders have been kind of playing a little bit of defensive end. Uh, Prince will has been at that Jack spot. Um, so, so kind of some, some moving and shaking here um, over the last couple of games, but getting Reimer back is just so big uh, for, for having depth in, in that linebacker core. So uh, that, that was kind of the only noteworthy injury update Deshaun Singleton's still out uh, with his knee issue. But um, you know, I, I think for the most part at this point in the season, um, you know, they're, they're okay on that side of the ball.
0: Yeah. BC, again, you, you weren't able to kind of talk about the recap, the Illinois game, the defensive performance, your thoughts on Nebraska's defense six weeks in or six games in uh, and maybe I guess to really sort of condense the conversation, what I guess has caught you by surprise or maybe impressed you most about the, the first six games of Tony White's defense and what we've seen from Nebraska so far.
2: Um. Well, first off, they're ahead of schedule in my mind for a first year. And um, I guess what I shouldn't be surprised, but I am because there's been so many years around here of talking about rotations and how many guys are going to play. And it actually has happened. You know, you talk about the linebackers. They've had eight backers who have played more than 122 snaps so far. They've played basically uh, 20 to 25 guys a decent amount of time. Um, so I'm impressed that there's not a big drop off at certain spots when like the supposed fifth or sixth guy comes in compared to the first or second guy. And, um, as Bruns was saying about the backers, that was on display in Champaign when Reimer's out and Nick Henrich was in there, played his best game of the season. John Bullock played his best game. And so they're getting contributions from a lot of different parts. And uh, guys are buying into their roles. And there's been little fun surprises along the way, like Makai Bayer is that, you know, like who, who would have thought he was going to be a big part of this um, before the season? So I, I, I think that part's good. And now, as we get to the second half, it'll be interesting if some of those freshmen, like a Princewell or a Cam Lenhart, if they can get some good health alongside um, them and what they do with that. Because I thought Princewell and his limited snaps against Illinois uh got made some noise he, he got in there a bit so that's a guy that I'm really watching coming out of the break
0: yeah that that kind of sets this up because what's sort of fascinating about you look at the freshman that Nebraska has played so far uh you have Cam Lenhart probably has the flashiest game so far with that Colorado performance but what's nice about it is a lot of these guys I mean they're just sort of scratching the surface of how they're going to be able to help you it's not like you It's not like you're expecting that any of these players have peaked in their freshman season. I think there's still a lot to come, especially when you're talking about guys like Riley Van Poppel or um, others that we haven't even mentioned yet. And you're still going to get some guys that are probably going to start appearing because they're getting closer to being able to utilize them without having them go over the four game limit, too. So it's been really notable to me how they've managed to, to utilize this 2023 class while lengthening out their roster and even working some of those guys into rotation.
2: Yeah, and part of the reason why they got to make a bowl game, besides the obvious, is like for those guys, like it'll be it would be a fascinating December around here just to see where they move some guys around and where they end up, like in the bowl game, and how much they would play. Um, so that that part is is so it's such a big deal, I think, to to get yourself to that point where December is just not an off month, where it's a a long off season is even longer. And especially for those defensive guys who have some momentum right now and those young players, that would be such a such a critical deal to get out there for 15 more practices and basically you have another spring ball before spring ball. So I mean that that that's what's at stake here in the second half of the season.
0: Yeah. I is there anything else you guys want to get to specifically on defense? Uh, Brunt's muted himself and he's talking, so I will unmute. We've
1: we've talked about this, uh, you know, and just kind of how good the defense has been for most of the first part, half of the season. Like, do you guys feel like this is a sustainable thing? Mm -hmm. uh, Given the, like what the schedule looks like the last six weeks of the season, like how, what, what's the ceiling for this defense? Like, because you kind of look at the way things line up and there's not a ton of, uh, I'm careful here. Not a not a lot of offensive juggernauts left on that schedule. Um, you've got Tom Allen's of, not on the schedule. You can say whatever you want. You've got starting quarterbacks out at Iowa, Wisconsin. Um, like what what can this defense look like by the time we're sitting here talking about this the first week of December? Well, one of the things that's been maybe most difficult to figure out is
0: that Nebraska's defenses tend to struggle against teams that weren't particularly good offensively anyways. So now they have a defense that looks like it sets up well against most of the median offense in this, in this conference, which is not a particularly good offensive conference year in and year out. So I, what I find most difficult is, can they be, can they go from being solid, which is what they were for the first six games, And we saw a glimpse of it against Illinois where they just set Nebraska up over and over and over. If you get that version, and I'm not just talking about holding the team to seven points, but if you get the version that's giving you field position, that's putting you in position to win these games, even when your offense is struggling, like that's sort of the Iowa model. Like that's how they've won a lot of games in this conference. They've won a lot of games recently, despite having just atrocious offensive play year in and year out. And I don't know that Nebraska's upside is that. Like, I I just don't know that I think that they're going to get multiple takeaways a game over the next six games. Like, I, I, you know, more likely to me they can maybe get one here. They're still waiting to see more balls get punched out in terms of fumbles caused. Still need to see some more hands on passes and deflections and everything else. But just like everything else we've talked about, They've only had six weeks of games to to continue to get better. So there is a possibility that they're just scratching the surface for how good they could be. Like you have to allow for that idea to be out there. I have a tough time with, with assuming that they're just going to be able to turn this into defense into offense, but I just don't also see any offenses out there that should, with maybe the exception of Maryland, which I have no idea how they lost to Illinois. Um, I, I, it seems to me, guys, that all of these games should be played in the teens or the low twenties, right? But do you is there someone out there that you think is a guaranteed lock to score thirty five points or thirty points on Nebraska in the next six games?
2: No, I don't think so. I mean, I, I expect Nebraska's defense to to hold teams under a couple touchdowns for most of those games, except for Maryland. I really think that is what they can do, and. You, you hit on it that if you want to go from good to great, you're going to get more takeaways and you're going to be a little better on third down. They they kind no. of started um, bad in that category, that first half against Minnesota, if you remember. So they've been trying to climb uphill since then. Now, the Illinois game, though, in all ways, you if you bottle that thing up and you bring it forward, that works because it's not just the fact that that is the takeaways my favorite play so far on defense might have been Phelan Sanford popping that ball into Tommy Hill's arms. Cause that was like, okay, there's that play you've been looking for just like that. But also I think Illinois was four 15 on third down and one of four on fourth down. And if you can uh, be that type of clutch defense on those plays, get a little bit better pass rush going forward with guys like Prince. Well, who he we mentioned some, you know, Jamari Butler seems to be finding his stride. Um, I think it can look pretty good down the stretch. And uh, Saturday reminded that um, although Nebraska is not a given to win any of these games on the schedule, there's nobody, there's no game off the table that includes Maryland. You know, I think uh, Maryland was kind of brought down to earth in that game a little bit and what they're about. So um, anything could happen, but they've just got to be a solid group that, in those clutch moments gets off the field. And when, it, when they're down in the red zone, they hold them to three points. You know, they, these are, this is how the, this season's going to be decided is if you can get those, those stops in those moments. Yep. I think that's
0: fair. Brunch, anything else you want to add?
1: No, no, I'm good. It's
0: All right, good.
1: Let's, I, I, do... I, I wanted to add to the outside noise. That's what I wanted to add to. <laughs>
0: okay. I, before we get into a little bit on recruiting here, I do want to touch on something. I had a conversation with Robert Jones, the uh, head coach of Bay City High School, where Bryce Turner is from. And he talked about how Bryce has now transitioned from wide receiver to defensive back. One of the things that I think is really interesting about how Evan Cooper and Nebraska are going to recruit is they're going to try to give these guys every opportunity to figure out we think you have game changing speed. In Bryce Turner's case, you're six foot, six foot one. You heavy enough? We can play you as a defensive back. And the early returns on that, we'll see how it goes. I mean, I don't look for him to get any game action here, but it it speaks to a couple things. They're bringing in more athletes than they are straight experienced football players. And what I mean by that is Bryce Turner did not know how to run an offense when he got to Nebraska. And they quickly realized it was going to take him some time to learn the nuances of playing wide receiver, but they're not giving up on a player when they're also turning around and giving him the opportunity to play defensive back, which then also potentially changes how you recruit for 2024 and beyond. So a guy that might have been a wide receiver for you is now a defensive back. It changes your numbers if he can stay there, uh, and you're not worried about him going into the portal or anything else. It, it all just kind of works together, and I think. As, as we sort of get used to what it's like with Matt Rule in charge of this football program, I think we also probably need to get used to the idea that there's going to be a lot of these sort of transitional type recruits that come in at one position and potentially end up somewhere else. I mean, have you guys gotten that indication just by sort of Rule himself talking uh, and just the type of athletes they seem to be bringing in? I mean, there's just a lot of these guys that – look like they could play a couple different positions and Nebraska seems willing to try them out at one. If it doesn't go, then they'll try them out at another.
1: Yeah. He, he talked about that today that, you know, in addition to Turner, Jeremiah Charles is also on defense Mm -hmm. after starting out on offense. Um, You know, they, they, he mentioned this kind of as an aside, but they, they kind of look defense first was the way that he described it. So, if a guy's got a shot to play on defense, they're going to keep him there, and that's that was the case with Charles. Or they're very high on his long-term potential. I think AJ Rollins is another example of that. Um, you know, they, they he mentioned offhand that they moved uh, a defensive freshman defensive lineman to offensive guard um, during the bye week, and, and BC kind of hit on this. I mean, the the bye week is huge because that's when you kind of mess around with guys and you see, okay, what does this picture look like with a guy on defense or try him on offense and kind of see how things fit together. I think that's, uh, I think that's kind of how, you know, how they're going to work. I mean, a guy that, that would, you know, works out great at a camp as wide receiver doesn't necessarily mean he's going to stay there. And Callen Barta, you know, I know he got the K-State offer, but he's a good example of that where they had him working out as a defensive back, but he's he's also a hell of a wide receiver so you know there, there's options there jd crisp is kind of the same way in this class where could be a wide receiver could be a defensive back who knows but um i think there, the having positional flexibility is is really um helpful for coaching staff i think if if you have things in your background where you've done it before and it's worked out well for guys. It makes it a little bit easier to sell that during the recruiting process. Cause I feel like sometimes, you know, recruits want to know what the plan is. They want to know where they're going to play, what, how they get seen that kind of thing. But I think Rule and his staff have enough of a track record here that they can kind of uh, get around those concerns pretty easily with, you know, pointing to this guy, this guy, and this guy, where they've had success moving guys around.
2: BC thoughts. Well, I, I think it can keep things fresh for guys too. Um, in certain cases where it, it can be a long first fall, you know, when you get on campus and if you're a player, a prospect who this staff was just candid with from the beginning, like we can see you at different spots and then they come to, you, um, in the middle of the year and say, Hey, why don't we just try it for two days over here and see what it looks like. Now, on the surface, that might seem like a little off-putting or a challenge, or like okay, this is a misdirection. This could be tough to deal with. But I could, if I were a player, I might also take that as these guys see something in me still. They see that I can help this team in some way. It's just a matter of finding that that chair that I fit in to make this thing work. And and it 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 shows that you're not a forgotten man. You know, where it probably could feel that way in any program where there's 120 people. And you're not playing that year, like most people aren't playing in their first year. That can be a very difficult process to go through. So I, I think the fact that this staff is always tinkering and thinking about those guys, and no, what if we moved over here? Well, how would that look? At least let's take a look at it. I, I could see that that would actually be very appealing in keeping things fresh for guys. And, again, is why I say, you know, they they, sh- they shouldn't talk about the bowl game right now or getting you a bowl game, but it's why it's such a big deal because it's just an, an opportunity to really sort of set some things down um, more in the concrete by the end of December before you go into next spring if you can get to that those practices and earn them.
0: They shouldn't talk about a bowl game, but we will talk about a bowl game. I asked Bruncis last week, B.C., you get your choice between uh, Detroit, New York,
2: Phoenix, and Las Vegas. What's your give me give me their ranked
0: options there?
2: I'd take Las Vegas because it's before Christmas, right? Um, so that's a selfish pick on my part. Um, so you you want to be back for Christmas because Bruntz I think wants to be gone.
1: BC <laughs> a big sphere guy. We learned that on the way to Illinois. Uh, he I likes even- the sphere.
2: No, no this won't surprise you, Schaefer. I didn't know there was such a thing as a sphere um, that you two is performing at, but uh, brunch uh, illuminated my mind to it and I, I think it would be kind of fun to go to. So wow. um, that's that's my number one. Um, not none of the other reasons for Vegas. I'm, I'm not a Vegas guy, so I don't need all the other stuff, but I like this before Christmas and I like the sphere. And then uh, the guaranteed rate bowl um is that the one in phoenix that would be my number two seems like a nice nice locale warm um, weather
0: this is what we're getting at here
2: yeah three three would be pinstripe four would be quick lane but beggars can't be choosers you know you, you take what you get and um i would just embrace like on december 10th we're writing like a practice report like i've i've dreamed you know that's that's like a, a dream right now to like have that situation in front of you just a quick hits in the middle of December is something I would never take for granted ever again. All right. All right. I like that.
1: (laughs) I dream about writing 500 words about practice on December 10th.
0: That was a passionate speech right there from Brian (laughs) Christofferson. All right. Let's uh, let's finish up with recruiting. I'm going to let you guys figure out what you want to know. You ask me and we'll, there's, there's no shortage of things. There's stuff on the website. We've got updates on uh Nebraska commits that were elsewhere over the weekend and uh Nebraska commits that have reaffirmed their commitment to position coaches last week and and everything else. That's all up on the site. Plus there's offers going out from Kansas State to Calen Bardo. What does that mean? Nebraska made an offer to a junior college wide receiver. What do you want to talk about in recruiting? And that's how we'll finish this in the final 5 minutes here.
1: I I I mean, I think I'd like to know a little bit about Carter Nelson. Matt Rule, not speaking specifically about a prospect, happened to mention that he went to Ainsworth this weekend.
0: He read that article in the Flatwater Free Press about their uh, great cowboy store that they have up there.
2: And I think he just
0: wanted to visit it. He needed a parka, he said. (laughs) I feel like a parka is a little strong. I mean, it's not like it's a frozen tundra.
1: It's a sandhills. He he needed a parka and a, a hat. And he got that. Um, he was, I assume he was in Ainsworth to see Carter Nelson. Um, he didn't say, because he can't, because of NCA rules. What, uh, What? where do things stand there, as, as far as you, you know?
0: Yeah, uh, Carter Nelson went over to Notre Dame for the weekend. Uh, Notre Dame put it on the fight, it, or excuse me, put it on USC, uh, who they played on Saturday. This was kind of in the works for a while. Um, got to give a lot of credit to Tom Loy at, 247 sports. He's been sort of all over this story from the beginning, but Notre Dame clearly wants Carter Nelson. They had a coach, excuse me, a recruiting staffer that was out for the uh, Pope John Elgin Ainsworth game a few weeks ago. And I, I know that Notre Dame is very, very interested in him, but they also knew that it was a bit of a long shot. I think they threw the best punch that they could on Saturday And Carter Nelson still expected to be in Lincoln uh, this upcoming weekend. I know that the staff has done a really nice job recruiting him, just talking to him a couple weeks ago after that game. He was sounding like someone who's already on the team. Um, So I I have been skeptical that Notre Dame was going to be able to flip anything. And this will still go all the way up until signing day, right? But I think Notre Dame took its best shot. I don't know that they're going to continue to invest a lot of resources in it. And I think Nebraska is in a really good spot to just hang on to Carter Nelson at this point. He's grown pretty close to some guys in the class. Uh, he definitely feels good about Nebraska's coaching staff. They even really like to see the interim tight end coach Josh Martin, And he's looking forward to, you know, when he comes down on Saturdays, he gets to spend a little bit more time from him. And he's like what he's seen the, as they've used Thomas Fedoni. So far, and I think he views that as a little bit of what he could be at Nebraska too. So I, I Mike Schaefer of Husker twenty four seven feel pretty good about everything that transpired over the weekend. You know, uh, with with Notre Dame and, and Carter Nelson, we'll see. Obviously, a lot can happen between now and signing day, but I I think the Husker is going to walk away with the uh, the signature of the top player in the state for twenty twenty four.
2: Is it possible a, a guy could just want to go watch Notre Dame play USC too? It's Look, yeah. I mean, that's,
0: that's <laughs> always a possibility. <laughs> I don't think he was the only one from the state of Nebraska in that mindset either. So um I, I look like it, rule even kind of talked about it a little bit today saying that he doesn't get mad about having to recruit a guy. And I think they understand sort of where some of these things are at and this staff, maybe more than recent ones, probably pushes for a little bit quicker commitments, which also means you have to put up with some of the other stuff that goes on in recruiting. And they're involved in it, too. Like, it's not like Nebraska isn't out here trying to flip guys that are committed to other schools. You know, this is just how it works. And so I think that uh, I think the Carter Nelson thing will end up going in Nebraska's favor. But there's, they're not the only uh, – Excuse me. Notre Dame isn't the only school going after kids in Nebraska's class and so yeah. they're going to be putting in a lot of work whether it's Koan Lacey, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. Calum Barda, Brunts mentioned it Kansas State offered uh the Topeka athlete is going to take a visit there this weekend. I would keep a close eye on that one. Could be payback for Gage Stinger a couple years ago. Uh maybe, we'll see. Um but I it's uh it's an interesting time in their recruiting class because I think they have, I think they have found some guides that other teams in the country are pretty interested in as well.
2: I got, I got a th- one rule. Um, last week was on the podcast or it's a radio show down in Texas, um, where he knows those guys. He should come on our podcast. Let's make that happen. Yeah, he, he should. But he was talking about recruiting the state of Texas and I, he put a number to it. He said six to eight guys per class, which didn't stun me, but he talked about, basically having, you know, 35 to 40 guys at some point on this roster from Texas, a similar number from Nebraska, and then you sprinkle the others in. That 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 doesn't surprise me when we see how they've been trending, but it was just interesting to hear it aloud and think about that, like a roster that's 40 Texas, 40 Nebraska, and here's the others. You know, what? I, I wondered what you guys thought about that.
0: I, right now, want to see Brunts put sprinkles on something because it looks like a heavy <laughs> sprinkle.
1: It's, I, got, I got, I got meat hooks here.
0: <laughs> Just doubting it with yeah. yeah. No, that would be. I mean, we'll see if they're able to pull that off. Like it's, it sounds it good, right. It it sounds good. We'll we'll see if they can make that come to fruition. But a lot of it is okay. You got them here. Can you keep them? You know, we'll mm-hmm. see what that looks like after this first uh, year, and if they have some guys from the twenty twenty three cycle from the state of Texas that committed and came up to Nebraska if those guys end up jumping in the portal. I mean, that's always going to be, I think some of the biggest challenge is getting people to leave their environment, come up here somewhere new. And if they're not playing, or if the team isn't
1: immediately successful, how do you keep them happy? Uh, and that's, that's always the challenge. Here's my, maybe this is my, my uh, ill-advised Yankee view of things, but I'm, I'm eager to see how all of conference realignment affects Texas recruiting. Because it seems like SMU is going to try to maybe punch above its weight a little bit more than what they have in in Dallas and in that area. And I don't know what it's going to look like when Texas is in the SEC um, or how that's going to change things. I I just kind of – I wonder if there's going to be schools that you would probably – See pop up and offer lists for Nebraska commits if if they're going to be more attractive based on just kind of how conference realignment's going to play out. Like I, when you say that number, it's like wow that that feels really high. Like it's ambitious. I mean, maybe you can get there, but um, I, I I mean, is it forty guys that that are towards the top of your list or are you, you know, kind of finding guys that are a little bit more. You know, lottery ticket type guys. I mean, I, I would be kind of curious to see how that that group would be made up. But it, I mean, they've 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 done a good job, I think, of uh, establishing themselves down there so far. Who knows if you win some games?
0: How do you guys feel about Nebraska offering a junior college wide receiver that might be more impactful as a return man than he ever would be as a uh, lined up wideout? Not that he, not that Trey Richardson from Hutchinson Community College couldn't get there. But uh, if you turn on the film, and I suggest anyone listening to this, Trey Richardson, you can find the film at uh, 24-7 or Husker 24-7. Watch that. It's it's like, you know, the glimpses of seeing Pearson Pearsonell just race through Iowa's 2014 defense uh, as Bruns just wonders aloud why the hell Ferentz kicked it to him. You know? Like, that's, that's what it looks like. He's pretty electric. I'm not saying it's Dante Hall on his prime, but. It definitely
2: stands out. You're it sounds like you are. It sounds like you're saying that he he could uh, field the ball in the four yard line and you'd be fine with that because he's gonna do yep. a Dante Hall type thing.
0: Well, I already sent a tweet to Michael Severe that he needs to put him on a future watch list. So that's how I kind of feel about
2: him. Uh, since, you know, Severe does that now for the Johnny the Jet Rogers Award. To your question, though, I'm all for it because it's a staff that talks about um you know, wanting to have those plays in the special teams game and taking chances and having the return men, you know, not fair catch and stuff like that. So, uh, if you can find that special guy who it looks like he was meant to do this since he was five years old, which was how I felt the first time I watched a Mornay Pearson L field, a punt in a Husker uniform. You're just, some guys are just like, okay, he's just absolutely born to do this without any fear at all. And, um, that's a that's a it's a special mentality um, when you find a guy like that. And um, I actually in Pearson's El, Pearson L's case, I think he after the injury, I wonder I, he actually lost a little of that. You know, that was that sort of fearlessness that goes with it. Um, the 2017 so, Oregon game. What if he would have yeah. just taken that punt? He would have taken if he it done that. that? He would have taken it to the house. It would have been a tie game. And who who knows how the Riley era would
0: have
1: gone. I'm just, well,
0: they wouldn't have but, scored in overtime. <laughs> so they would have needed to go for two there to win.
2: Yeah.
1: But, what was, uh, it, what was but, that guy's name at Rutgers? Crookshank? Yeah. Nebraska Aaron a, Crookshank. They need a Crookshank. Who's I'd be at, okay with that.
0: He was at Wisconsin and Rutgers. He hit yeah. Nebraska twice.
1: Yeah. I'd be okay with that. A team, a team that struggles to score, you get a guy that gives you a couple of those a year. I think that's worth a scholarship.
0: Yeah. Well, we got a full story on Trey Richardson at Husker247.com. Uh any final thoughts here? I think we've I think we pretty much touched on everything. There's going to be a lot of recruiting this week. I'm just telling people now. I'm I'm feeling like it's it, it feels like it's finally time. It's been a little bit sleepy, but I'm I'm ready to to start rolling with some recruiting stuff. So, hopefully people are interested and it will all be found at Husker247.com. Final thoughts, Brunt, BC. What do you got?
1: Uh, no, I'm excited for the hype cast this week. This is always a favorite week of mine. Yeah, It's not, often, it? we, it's not often we get a celebrity on this podcast, but I'm looking forward to it. Or do you just want to give it away? Do you want to tell yeah. the people
0: who they're going to get? No, They'll
1: know when they hear the voice. He's tall. He's tall. <laughs> he's, he's a student of the game. He's, he's scored against, uh, Pete Carroll and Dabo. Yeah. His the touchdown upper-
0: celebrations are known far and wide amongst the best in Nebraska history.
1: People forget that.
0: All right. Uh, Well, for Brian Christopherson and Michael Brunson, Mike Schaefer, we're Husker 24-7. As always, check out husker247.com. We'll be back with the aforementioned special guest for this week's Husker 24-7 hypecast. We're going to get you fired up for a Northwestern game that really matters this year, even more than most years. It'll be a good time. So we'll get you ready for that. That'll be later this week. Be sure to check out everything we have going on on the website. Catch you later.